0: Uh do we want to talk about the the lighthouse? We have a brief lighthouse discussion. I'm down. Well, to start before we start talking about the lighthouse, just a quick even smaller side discussion. Did you like The Witch?
1: Did you ever see The Witch? So so we're starting with a a Robert Eggers conversation. We're just
0: going to do a little Robert Eggers conversation because that also, I feel like, informs The Witch or The Lighthouse. Yeah, I suppose so. Just brief.
1: Yeah. So, The Witch is good. Yeah. It was an interesting theater experience that I had because I think The Witch is the only movie I've ever gone to where I knew absolutely nothing, where I literally showed up at the theater and a movie said, The Witch. And I was like, okay, why not? And I went in. And it's the only time I've ever done that where...
0: Wow, Completely so blind watch. Didn't even know what it yeah. was. Was it the poster with Black Phillip? I, I don't know. Black Phillip is the goat.
1: Yeah, no, I know it's the goat. I don't oh, okay. remember what poster well, cause it was. Well, because
0: every poster, I have the Blu-ray and every poster I've seen, like the poster on Letterboxd, it literally just says, the Vavich, and it's got a picture of Black Phillip on it.
1: Hmm. No, it was not that, so, now that I'm thinking okay. about
0: it. Because so I would to say, I don't know if I would be able to go watch it just based on that, but he is
1: a good goat. I think we were looking for something, uh, a little, we were looking for horror when I was there with some friends, so. Oh, okay. Well, that's definitely a horror movie. Yeah, and I think it helped. A lot of people were off-put by it, from what I understand, yeah. that the trailer yeah. promised them something a bit more horror-y, and what they got was a very slow burn, more of a thriller almost, but not really. Kind of, yeah. It's definitely a lot more atmospheric. But the thing is, I
0: mean, I kind of like the uh, the witch. Um, there's a lot that I appreciated about the witch. I'm just not too into that whole, you know, vibe of uh, witches and witchcraft. But the things I did appreciate about I mean, it there's barely
1: one, any uh, witchcraft in it. But
0: there really isn't. Um, what I did appreciate about it was just the insane dialogue. I mean, that man did his research.
1: It's it's even it's it's worse than the Coen Brothers' True Grit. It was well, it, and, thing, in right? a good it's, way. Like I'm not saying yeah. It, worse as in it's well. The thing
0: about True Grit is that it's really good language that I can't understand because Jeff Bridges is like gargling butter the entire time. <laughs> yeah, but it's but so much fun. It's so much fun. Watch it with subtitles. It's it's amazing.
1: It's the great.
0: Witch is one of those things that I can understand what they were saying. I just didn't know what it meant. <laughs> it's very old colloquial english but at the same time i'm just because i watch it with subtitles and i'm just like wow this is amazing i don't know what it all means but i'm amazed that this guy knows this much about this like it was it was pretty much a foreign language to me yeah that and the atmospheric stuff you know the the it the production design very uh uh, 1600s inspired. Well, it is in the 1600s, but
1: I liked. I liked it was it. a 1600s um, inspired product. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it was, and uh, I don't know. I love that guy, that super deep voice guy. The main his one. Name.
1: Oh yeah, he was in he's Chernobyl. In
0: yes, he was. He was in Chernobyl. I see him. What in the was the line? The it was time.
1: the, you you it's, have done your duty or something to the Soviet Union. Yeah,
0: he's the he's the general guy who salutes the the. The guys going into the reactor, but yeah, I love that guy. Um, yeah, it's one of those movies that I think now after that I've seen the Lighthouse, I want to go back and see again. Um, because spoiler alert, I fucking love the Lighthouse. Well, I watched so much the Witch in the
1: preparation Witch. for the the Lighthouse again a few yeah. month ago.
0: Did it get better on a second viewing? Oh,
1: well, I liked it quite a bit on the first viewing. I, I think i I was in tune with it a little bit more on the second viewing, but I liked it roughly the same. You watch it with subtitles?
0: No, I don't think I did. It's nice. That that's the first thing I'm gonna do is when it comes when the Lighthouse comes out in Blu-ray. I'm I'm just gonna watch it all with subtitles.
1: Yeah, so The Lighthouse, uh, recently yeah. re- released and currently in theaters, is it's it's good.
0: It's, it's good. Eraserhead with Sailors.
1: Yeah, a bit. I mean Eraserhead's a bit more esoteric, but Eraserhead's
0: a lot more abstract and esoteric, but what I mean by Eraserhead with Sailors is that obviously the presentation is very similar. Yeah. The stark black and white, but I also think the the constant droning industrial sounds of Eraserhead are also kind of present throughout The Lighthouse. That was one of the things I loved about it was that there was constantly that big siren going off.
1: Yeah, it, the movie started and it just kept it went off every stopped. couple seconds. And it was like is it never stop? Stop. I kinda liked it though. And you I kinda, mean, kinda forget about some... it. You get used to it.
0: You do. Because th- they just throw you immediately into the atmosphere. It's dark, it's gloomy, it's rainy, it's well I mean the red, atmosphere starts before desolate. the plot does. I mean, within two minutes we see the cramped living quarters, the constant sirens, Wilm Defoe farting. It's just you th- it throw you all into it, right in there. And it's good, because this whole thing is just a visual cabin fever trip, so it's good that they throw you into
1: that right away. Uh, So I need to watch it again. Same. And I haven't gotten the opportunity to go to the theater yet. Because you have to see this more than once. The thing that kind of threw me off was it's kind of strangely structured. Plot-wise, yeah. And not... I'm not saying that's... I'm not saying, like, badly structured. I'm saying strangely structured. It is. In the way that you... We were, when I first watched it and you're approaching, they're like, oh, tomorrow's the day that they're coming to pick us up. And you're thinking to yourself, all right, we're about halfway through. What, what's happening here? Like, you don't know where it's going. And you know, something has to happen. You know, cause I was either like, well, they're either not getting picked up or some, some real bad shit's going to go down all tonight. Night. Yeah. And yeah, I, exactly. either one could have been, uh the case and, and it just not so much not so much an issue with the pacing i think but more so yeah. i was thrown off by a lack of expectation of where the narrative was going
0: and i think a second yeah.
1: viewing might take care of that a bit more and i might go with the flow a bit better well
0: it definitely seems like the first half of this movie is a little more plot focused than the second half because once they aren't getting picked up, once you learn that they're not getting picked up, that's when they get rid of all of the plot and just focus solely on the descent into madness. Like, obviously, that's, that's, the, that's the good stuff. Yeah, that is the good stuff. And that stuff is, you know, sprinkled throughout. It's sort of like the first half is alluding to this eventual descent into madness. and We get to learn about the characters. We get to learn about who these people are. So when you get into the second half where it's just full-on insanity... We understand the facets of this insanity because we understand most of the size of these characters. So in that way, it almost feels like a two-act thing because I never really expected it to go anywhere. I kind of got the vibe from the trailers and the reviews I read that it was just a big mood piece, a big old, you know, descent, and I enjoyed it, but no, I do agree. I, at that, when he when they, we learned that, Someone's picking them up. I, like, actually looked at my watch. I'm like, oh, God, it's not already almost over,
1: is it? Yeah, I almost thought, thought, like, have we been here that long? Yeah, yeah. I considered that, oh, is it almost, are we heading into the third act? I knew it was only halfway. Like, my my rational brain said that, but I was also at the same time (laughs) questioning, like, how long have we been here? (laughs) Help me to recollect.
0: Yeah, exactly. I was like... How long have I been sitting in this chair? 10 minutes? 40 minutes? Help me to recollect. <laughs> I will say, yeah, that's another thing I'm very excited for. Um, the a- A24 is putting out these like little script books. They have one for The Witch and Moonlight, and a third one, I don't remember, might be Hereditary, where um, it's the script, the actual script, mm. uh, with a bunch of behind-the-scenes photos and a bunch of like review-type stuff, and... Uh, like words by famous people who enjoyed the movie, and they put one out for The Witch and Moonlight, and I cannot wait if they do one for The Lighthouse, because I just want to read all three pages of Willem Dafoe's monologue. I'd read it. Oh my god, that was like... That sounds great. That was incredible. He, I don't know how you feel, but I, I honestly feel like that might be the best Willem Dafoe performance ever.
1: I think I'm not as in love with it as everyone else is, but it's still a great performance and definitely a top-tier Defoe. Oh, easily.
0: But, th- weirdly enough, the-, the character I was thinking of most when I was recollecting on Willem Dafoe's character in this movie was um, Anton Chigurh. Uh Because this movie, much like No Country for Old Men and Anton Chigurh, without the character of Thomas and the way that Thomas is portrayed, it's like a completely different movie. Mm-hmm that's why in like retro like in the moment obviously there were moments in the movie where i'm like damn defoe's killing obviously the monologue um him being buried alive was great i quite enjoyed that bit but it wasn't one of those like immediately gripping performances is one of those that the more i think about it the more i'm like okay you know what that was actually
1: pretty amazing i just realized that there is most certainly a shining reference and oh it's the axe the axe yeah i I don't know why i used i referenced the shining in my review on the website and i'm only now just realizing oh there was an uh, an axe sequence
0: if we're talking about amazing references in this movie can we talk about the lebowski reference in this movie
1: (laughs) except with sh*t.
0: except with sh*t. even as it was happening i guess if i was paying i was paying full attention but even at that moment Part of my brain is like, they're not going to do the thing, are they? And they did the thing. It, it was great. <laughs> and just the way he, Robert Pattinson, just sort of like chills for a second before he freaks out. Oh, it's great. This movie was just, it was deceptively funny.
1: It, it was a quality theater going experience. Keyword there is experience. How packed was your theater? It wasn't, I think it was a weekday, a weeknight. Yeah. Late weeknight. I would
0: thursday or a Friday I think and there's only about 10 or 15 other people in the theater I yeah,
1: said so there might have been ten there was actually a group of uh I think high school kids in there like a solid group and it's like what are you what are you guys doing here <laughs> I mean like I'm good I'm happy to see it
0: I well that's the thing right it's it's not one it's not something like midsummer or the witch where people can be deceived um into going into this movie because even from the trailers you could tell it's like a it's you black know, three, and white. Three, it's black and white. It's three three aspect ratio. They're talking like, you know, they did three hundred years ago. So anyone who, no one is accidentally stumbling in to this movie thinking it's something it's not. No, you. It is impossible
1: about. for them to misrepresent the the movie in the trailer.
0: Yeah, those are great trailers, though. They are. I mean, th- I honestly think my most my two most watched videos on YouTube this entire year are the first Lighthouse trailer and the Uncut Gems trailer.
1: Both of them I'm just all in for. I I have been watching many trailers. Actually, I don't really watch many trailers. I watch a few trailers many times.
0: I remember watching a lot of uh, the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood trailer as well. I watched the Under the Silver Lake trailer like three times a day. Back in April of 2018 when the trailer came out. Just A24 did some pretty good trailers.
1: Yeah, I've been. There is a short, forty-five second TV spot for uh, uh, *Parasite*. Oh, that I watch on oh, repeat about five times yeah. a day, just to keep myself satisfied until I I can watch it.
0: I just I'm go I'm going through because you know end of the decade I start to think about oh well what were the best years for movies and in my mind it's it's always been 2014. You know, this is some amazing movies. that came For me, it's twenty seventeen. Yeah, well, I was about to say twenty seventeen as well. Also had some amazing movies, and I'm I was like I was always debating between those two. Maybe twenty thirteen, maybe is like a runner up. But then I was thinking, I'm like, God, for me personally, is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Marriage Story, The Lighthouse, uh, Parasites, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. All this
1: year, it's been a really great uh, year. It's been an amazing year. It's not even done yet. we still got a few more to go. Yeah, what's even left? we got... Uncut Gems. Little, we're gonna uncut have. Gems.
0: Little Women. I'm excited the for Irishman. Little Women. The Irishman. I did forget about the Irishman. Um, oh, I guess The Farewell, too. I wasn't as crazy about it as you were, but you quite enjoyed The Farewell. Yes. I, that's what I want to see again, because the theater I went to, the camera was messed up. That sucks. So, like, the camera was a little bit too low. Mm-hmm. So, like, the bottom... Half of the subtitles were cut off.
1: Oh, that that really does suck.
0: It does, and not only that, but the movie in particular has a lot of headspace. Yeah, the cinematography. So that's like it looked even worse when the camera was lower. They looked. They looked like they were doing those Hobbit angles. So that's another one I'm going to give another shot. Hopefully, it comes into theaters, but I doubt it.
1: The the lighthouse was pretty great. I love it. I, fantastic. I highly recommend to uh, anyone to go see it if you I like. Definitely, if you like cinema, go
0: see if you it. like horror, if you like, if you like movies, movies, don't go see it. You have to love well, cinema. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say, unlike the other movies, this is less of a story, more of an experience. Yeah. So if that's not your thing, don't do that. But man, it if you was, like The Shining, you'll probably like this. That's that's it's strange because I'm not huge on The Shining. I'm not a big fan of The Shining. I like it, just not like a four out of five stars for me but this is like an easy five five well
1: I this, love this 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 uh, this movie was built from the ground up to please chandler chavez
0: it really was it's got willem defoe it's got sailors it's got farting it's got beans it's got i i love the the pirate slash sailor aesthetic and i think willem defoe has the perfect face for this role perfectly cast I love the name Ephraim Winslow. It's a very fun name to say. I'm just ugh, big fan. Big I don't
1: know fan. my my favorite performance though of the movie was the uh, the seagull, the oh. one-eyed seagull. Did
0: you did you read any any like behind the scenes stuff for this movie? Not really, no. Because apparently Robert Eggers was like, yeah, on the witch, the goat was just an ass. He was very hard to coach and to control. But he said the person who like trained the seagulls. He said the seagulls were some of the best actors he ever worked with, <laughs> uh, especially that one-eyed one. He's great. Quick, a uh, quick. Here's my. Qu- oh, do we want to get into an actual spoiler discussion, or just want to keep it like? we should probably just uh, end just, it
1: here. Well, what is the question? I'm curious. I, I can was always cut well, it out.
0: There's a there's a few um, theories that I've had. My main theory or reading of this movie is that it's a movie about. Uh, power just men in power because obviously you got ephraim winslow toiling away doing all the sweaty work just so sure. Defoe, the older man the older white guy can bask in the the light that
1: is made from his work are you saying it's about classism i think it's about classism. everything yes. is about classism in 2019
0: it really is but i'm all i'm here for it um but i also had a theory that because, you know, at the end, the ending shot, which is an amazing shot, probably my favorite in the movie, of uh, Ephraim being eaten alive by those seagulls. Did you think one of them was uh, Thomas? I don't know. I th- I thought, yeah. Coles, obviously they said the thing about seagulls being the body, the, you know, yeah, the reincarnations sailors. of sailors, but yeah. no, I, I think so. But that's just my theory. What was your reading of this, if you
1: had one? I don't know, but the one that came to mind just now is... hmm, Maybe it's got something to do with environmentalism. Well, he did just obliterate that seagull. Yeah, he attacked nature. And nature killed him. Ate him alive. Religious angle. I've
0: seen a lot of people describe the light as God.
1: People going insane over God? That kind of thing? I don't know.
0: Actually, no. I, I changed my mind. The best image in the entire movie is naked Willem Dafoe with lighthouse eyes.
1: That was pretty great, yeah.
0: That is a powerful image. <laughs> It'll stick with you for a while. It really—that's the one I remember vividly because when that came out in the theater, I just went, "What the?". F-? <laughs> I wish we had more of those. I—I I mean, same. They had some good ones. I, like Willem Dafoe as Poseidon for a mi- oh, like a millisecond.
1: Oh, there was... So when I was watching it, it was late, and I was part of the... Confession, I was starting to nod off just ever so slightly. Yeah, uh, About two-thirds of the way through the movie. And <laughs> I opened my eyes to the uh, Willem Dafoe as Neptune. Yeah. That uh, kind of scare, and the the mermaid as well, and That just shocked me awake for the last third of the movie.
0: (laughs) It's great. There's so many little just micro images like that that I'm just like, well, hold on. Can we go back to that for a second? Freeze frame. As soon as the movie comes out, there's a good digital copy of it. I am making Naked Willem Dafoe with Lighthouse Eyes my desktop wallpaper for life.
1: All right, let me pull up the uh, show notes here uh, so I can bring up a few things before we get into our main discussion. Right, I did mention to you that we need to explain the movies that we're talking about. Yes. Because we talked about Lay Samurai, and I realized we kind of never really gave a synopsis, just in case... No, we
0: just, we just, yeah. Uh, well, we can give brief ones at the beginning. Oh, Just yeah, the, brief. the log line or something.
1: And I don't know if you saw what I did, but on the the blog post page for the podcast. I put a brief synopsis of it on there. Oh, I I didn't check that. I forgot. I always forget to look at the podcast bits. Yeah, that's all right. That's fine. So we'll, we'll do that even for, if we even have like a small off discussion on directors or movies, just a quick word of context would be helpful if we remember. Yeah, that's fine. And then the other thing is that, uh, Split Take is officially on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Podcasts. Nice. We'll, we'll see about getting it other places, because I know those there there are a few other platforms that people like to use, but those people are the, like the big three. Yeah. I'm sure that, that takes care of 99% of the audience, and then it does. we can it fill does. out the rest as need be. This is true. Uh, I don't know what you've been watching the past week, but I finally finished all of Melville's Filmography. I've
0: been watching mainly theater stuff, like stuff in the movie theater, but I'd love to hear what you you have to say about the entirety of Melville's filmography. Well,
1: it's interesting that I started out with uh, The Red Circle and Second Wind. Those were the first two I watched. Yeah. And those two are my favorites of the new ones that I watched. And it only went downhill from there. Oh. (laughs) Not not downhill, but I just didn't enjoy Relatively so Relatively speaking. Yes. I think the Red Circle might be and Second Wind might be some of my favorite movies.
0: I've been wanting to watch the Red Circle for a while. Ever since I saw Rafifi everyone said Red Circle was almost sort of a pseudo companion piece to that.
1: Yeah, it was like Rafifi and Lay Samurai had a a love child and that's Oh. That that sounds amazing actually. I love both of those. His early work, all of the stuff was interesting. He's a very, very director, because he had his earlier stuff that is kind of stylistically, like he was experimenting, and then he got to the cold Paris noir style. Yeah, That is, all of my favorite of his is in that kind of later style that he settled into Uh in his second half of his career. But then I rewatched Army of Shadows.
0: Which was your favorite it was and now it's not
1: and now it still is oh it still is oh it probably fantastic. will be and i think i might i might even give it another rewatch eventually because it might be one of my favorites of all time
0: top 10 you're saying
1: maybe not top 10 but it could oh, it has okay. a chance at my top 25 oh okay gotcha it has a chance i need to watch it again it's mm. it's yeah it's very underwhelming kind of it's a quiet movie. It's not really yeah. bombastic with its greatness. And so I'm not sure. Well, I what didn't to think imagine
0: most of those French movies are. Well, you're talking about Army of Shadows? Yeah. Well, bombastic is the last word I would describe most of these movies as. Well, you're
1: one of your longtime favorite movies, like The Big Lebowski, and then one of my favorite movies, Eight and a Half. These are yeah. in your face kind of movies that their aesthetic qualities are easy to enjoy if you like them. Yeah. And I'd say eight and a half
0: more so than Lebowski.
1: Army of Shadows both is like the narrative itself and kind of everything about it is, it's not screaming for your attention in any way. Uh huh. Which is Fine, nice. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my little uh, recap of my reviewing of all of Melville's filmography. First director, I've probably finished the entire filmography for, probably.
0: Wow. Maybe not. All, well. It's not. It's not a crazy amount, though. It's only like around ten, isn't it? Thirteen. Thirteen. Yeah. I will say, uh, Les Samurai had me for a second. I thought, you know, maybe the French aren't as bad as I thought. And then I saw the last year at Marion Bad, and that's my segue.
1: All right, last year at Marion Bad.
0: Why don't you go ahead and give the plot synopsis? Because I, you give me an hour, I couldn't even come up with one.
1: So, Last Year at Bad directed by Alain Rene, okay, whatever, that's Something. his name, yeah. French. from 1961, is about a man in a hotel in Europe, a very fancy hotel, meets his... Uh, ex-lover who he may or may not have met at the hotel the previous year and they may or may not know each other and then there is the woman's maybe husband maybe not who (laughs) maybe does things in the film or maybe just plays a neat little uh, game with cards and matchsticks. I
0: love how that plot synopsis is also the literally the entire movie.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of maybe or maybe nots that we need to get through that is important. Um mm-hmm. and the last one is the the man, our main character is attempting to get the woman his his love to remember their uh their previous affair and to run off with him or maybe not <laughs> never really sure nope wait really not all right so that was well, my gonna go, best attempt yeah. at a plot well, summary well
0: that's about as good as anyone could do it's probably better than the director could do i'm just gonna go out and say it i'm like 99 sure that you love this yeah did so you why do you think that because the whole time I was watching it, I was just thinking, "Oh, this is the kind of shit that the the sort of dream like the sort of atmospheric stuff that Jacob likes and has made." I thought of Dreamcatchers a few times watching this, and I'm just like, "Okay, they'll they'll the you know how I knew
1: that you would like it? How?
0: Because I was suffering.
1: <laughs> okay, well we we both share mutual suffering of." Many new wave movies. Yes, yes. So last year, *Marion Bad* is a fascinating aesthetic experiment, and my enjoyment ends there. Really, and you weren't as much of a fan. I I liked it, and I'm probably okay. gonna be be playing a uh, a supporter of the film more so than I am in this discussion. Well, someone needs to be the protagonist here. Yes, we'll, we'll finally have a split take.
0: Well, here's the thing is that I don't as as antagonistic as I may seem, I don't hate this movie. There's stuff that I appreciate about this movie because I do think it very much captures a dreamlike essence through pretty much every part of it. Uh, specifically the location is amazing. That hotel. I don't know if it was all one hotel. Or it was three all... three buildings. Three that buildings they together. Yeah. Okay. Well, because every aspect of that hotel the the like wallpaper on the hotel rooms, the seemingly endless hallways, the weirdly sparse or sparsest um, uh, garden in the back, all of it. I was just like, wow, this is like the perfect dream architecture. You have all the people who are just standing, not really saying anything. It's kind of, everything looks kind of real, but with such a, these little subtle weirdnesses about them that kind of obviously add up to this whole dreamlike atmosphere and that much I appreciated. And the score is very much
1: how, how you would remember something.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Because when I think about remembering something, it's the people, the other people that inhabit that memory are often very static and kind of in the the periphery of your uh awareness and it's you that are is moving through this kind of static image of the past
0: well the entire thing the entire visual uh, uh design of this thing it's it's a reminiscent of real things like like you said like if if you went to this amazing, lavish garden and a week later somebody asks you to recall it or draw it, that's probably what you would do, something like that. You would remember the people, but you don't remember what they're doing. You remember the hallways, but you don't remember how long they are or how far they go. You just remember what the walls look like, and that much I enjoy. The, the seemingly endless organ score... That kind of sounds like three different songs going at three different paces and three different tones into one. As annoying on the ears as that was, I recognize that it definitely gave it a very dreamlike quality throughout the entire thing. But it's just a matter of... Obviously this entire movie, story and visuals, was a puzzle. It's a puzzle that I I don't know if it's ever been solved... But unlike movies that are kind of like a puzzle, again, like Eraserhead and Lighthouse, I didn't find myself having fun trying to solve the puzzle.
1: I do think it's an interesting coincidence that we brought up The Lighthouse, because The Lighthouse is very much a... It's similar. ...ambiguous narrative yeah. that's built to make you question what is actually happening. Yet it, it adheres to a much more comparatively normal narrative well, yes. structure
0: because there is a plot that is somewhat grounded in a reality that we understand but this from the beginning you're in this dream world and you're trying to understand the un- understandable you're looking for
1: something to ground yourself yeah in the narrative and there really never is the closest thing that i came to grasping something was the game that kept popping up like that seemed like the most normal thing that kept happening yeah and everything else is <laughs> everything else every yeah frame of this film is built to give you nothing
0: because it, it it feels like this inescapable dream world that feels like a memory loop or a time loop where they're destined to keep reliving these experiences. And in that way, it does feel a little claustrophobic and you're looking for answers because you're looking for a way mentally out of this place. But it's just that I don't find that struggle all that fun. And there doesn't seem to be a light at the end of the tunnel that will make all of this pondering worth it. So I don't even bother with it.
1: So... In the most succinct way possible, what is it that, what is your opinion, your personal opinion, not not talking about the aesthetics or anything like that, uh, like what, how is your enjoyment or your experience watching it? It's,
0: it's an experience, like most movies of this caliber, that I slightly f- have better or a fonder recollection of the events, but as I was sitting through it, I was just miserable. I was just like, oh my god, there's still 30 minutes left. And I think a a large part of that was that I found it to be stylistically and even narratively, using that term narrative very loosely, I found it to be repetitive. It was a lot of, we're going to walk through this dreamscape as I romantically recollect what we did here. Oh, you don't remember? What about this thing we romantically did and I'm going to recollect it's just a lot of that in the last like 10 or 15 minutes when it gets a little more, it gets, it starts, I, I, when I found it most interesting is when that, the man who is unnamed, the lover, I'm going to refer to them as the lover, the, the, the lady and the boss. Cause I, they don't have names and that's just what I'm going to go with. The lover as a character I found kind of annoying cause he's kind of that sort of overly romantic French dude that I hate in a lot of these French new wave movies. But there's a dreamlike quality to it that kind of made me think, okay, maybe he's not real, or maybe he's supposed to represent something. But what I found it most interesting is towards the end when he was starting to not recollect things. So then that's when I feel like it was starting to get at something larger than this sort of endless dream loop of memories and uh, things that may or may not have happened. But by that time, I was just like, oh, I've been sitting for here for an hour and ten minutes to get to that. So that's why I can't say I hated it. I just it was it was a frustrating experience that the more and more I talk about it, I appreciate but still don't like.
1: I was surprised at how much I didn't mind watching it, and I think it's cuz I've built up a tolerance and a, a a knowledge of how to deal with this kind of movie over time. I certainly would not have I would have found it intolerable if I watched it like 2 years ago.
0: Well, how often do you watch this kind of movie?
1: Not because, very often,
0: because th- these kind of movies, in particular, for me, I don't think I've ever been in the middle with these. I either love them or hate them. Like Eraserhead, The Lighthouse, I love, I love both of those. This, not a fan of, and there's another one that
1: was also French. That I can't remember that I'm not a fan of.
0: But yeah, the, ugh.
1: Well, the thing with last year at Marion Bad is that. I was probably enthralled with the gorgeous black and white cinematography and the blocking and staging of the actors is all very, those, those aesthetics were enough to keep me hooked because that's the stuff that I like.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I agree. The, that stuff was nice. The look and design and locations in this are amazing. It's marvelously shot especially like the like first 4 minutes where it's literally just like rolling camera footage of the hotel interiors.
1: I don't know how they did it. I was reading that the the director and the writer had meticulous camera notes and shot selection and I was I was thinking about that while I was watching it and it's like editing this must have been impossible cuz it's essentially a montage of images that are very similar to each other and yet very different. Like we repeat the same locations and things again and again, but there's changes and...
0: Well, that's what also impressed me is just how much mileage they got out of a single location. They they made it feel so massive because even when we see the same rooms, we're shown them in different ways and there's never a sense of location within this uh, area. So you can't really tell where you are relative to the rest of the hotel so i think that artificially makes it feel a lot bigger but i will say that is the movie's strongest suit is
1: that whole aspect the design yeah and as we're talking about it i'm remembering it fondly as i think as someone who likes my directorial style is that i like really complicated blocking and shots yeah, and I too thought of my my capstone project, Dreamcatchers, while watching this. Yeah, and I think this is a for me a fascinating educational tool. If I'm ever in need of uh, inspiration for blocking and camera movements, this would be a a really nice thing to come back to and to take a look at. Other than that i'm not sure i could say i enjoyed the film
0: i'm almost kind of relieved at that cuz i was convincing myself that you'd love this simply because i felt like aesthetically and stylistically it was very in tune with your kind of movie
1: yeah it went by fast enough like i i never really felt like it was going on too long or dragging and again that might just be a i have a tolerance and yeah. i'm used to this kind of thing i think the vast majority of film goers would find this intolerable.
0: Well, the, the funny and enough. Yesterday I watched two movies. I watched last no- a year at Merry and Bad, and I watched Midsummer, Midsummer, and Midsummer. Despite being an entire hour longer, felt years shorter than this movie. And Midsummer is also relatively slow, not just long but slow. But it went by pretty quickly.
1: I was looking at some of the reviews for last year at Marion Bad, and the critic Pauline Kale, who I don't really agree with all that often. Um uh she called it a aimless disaster. And I laughed at that.
0: Well, that was it's interesting because I even looked at the uh the movie itself, just the Wikipedia page because I was I was curious um and then i just see this line that like the last the last line of the first paragraph in the wikipedia entry it's dreamlike nature has both fascinated and baffled viewers many have hailed the work as a masterpiece although others have found it incomprehensible so i thought okay unlike other movies that are kind of like this at least there's a good amount of people that also just
1: don't know what is going on my biggest issue with the film is that i think it could be Cut in half and still have the same result. I agree. Because that's what
0: I'm saying before, is that stylistically it's very repetitive.
1: I'm not sure if I would need to watch it again, but I don't think I would say that most of it needed to be there. Like, needed to be there.
0: No, not needed. I I can see warranted because, again, despite it being just painfully
1: dull, it is very pretty. It's well made. That is not being disputed.
0: It's one of those things that the actual director, Elaine Resnice, I don't know how it's pronounced, uh, that he, I remember, I, I think I read the Roger Ebert review where he quoted the director saying, it's about nothing. And for some reason in my head, I know a lot of people say that it's like their movies aren't about anything. Like, I know William Friedkin said The Exorcist isn't a horror movie. I know a lot of people say things about their movies that they don't mean just to be contradictory to what the movie's about, to give it a false sense of uh, depth. But for some reason, I'm like, the guy's probably telling the truth. (laughs) It might just be about nothing.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, a movie about nothing is really about everything
0: i know but the whole time i was just thinking what if it's just this moron who really knew how to position a camera who said yeah i just kind of wanted to make a movie and everyone's like no no you're 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 selling yourself short elaine it is much better than you think and he's like no it's really no no but trust me trust me you don't know what you made i agree that it this could almost be like a 30 minute short film and maybe have the same you know when i actually just turned on the movie and it was relatively early in the movie when it took like five minutes to actually see the people in the movie because it's like the same line or piece of poetry repeated like five times as we see the hotel and i'm like are we really gonna sit here for five minutes and then it started and it never
1: got better i i went back and i looked and you don't meet our main characters to the point where you know there are main characters because you see them in the background the, the first shots that feature them prominently aren't until at least 10 minutes into the movie. Oh, God.
0: Well, because even then, even when we see the characters, or, like, characters in the movie, they're just, they're, char- they're not our main characters.
1: So It's, it's a bunch like, of people standing around in tableaus.
0: Ta- yeah, and they're all talking, and it's, like, talking about things that never really get mentioned again. Or And at this point, by the time we actually meet the main characters... I thought at the point when we saw him, I, th- I thought, okay, is this going to be like a series of vignettes featuring different hotel members that, that are all going to come together? And then it just stuck, w- stuck with them for the rest of the movie. And I thought, well, why did we need to see their conversations? It's just, there's a lot in this movie where, where I think maybe if I go back, I might appreciate more. But ugh, it's not going to be worth going back and sitting through this for 90
1: minutes. I was just thinking that some of the, particularly the dialogue, was really nice. It was well written dialogue and kind lyrical. Yeah, and I think it might have been better if I understood French. Probably. And and wasn't and if I wasn't so zoomed in on the subtitles the whole time because it's just it at times it's just streaming at you of yeah, line after line stops. of practical nonsense
0: especially in the beginning that opening poem i read it like five it took me a while to realize it was just repeating but i'm like oh i'm trying to read all this and understand what it means but i'm also trying to look at the the camera work and what was being shown maybe maybe it is a lot better if you know the language but still this just it's one of those things that at least unlike a movie like breathless which is slowly becoming the villain of this podcast at least it's a movie that I find enjoyment ranting about. There are things here to discuss and to dissect, and even though I think most of them lead to dead ends, I I, I thoroughly enjoy talking about how much
1: I dislike this movie. The two best parts of the movie were the beginning, the, the opening shots tracking through the hotel, and the opening kind of tableaus with all the hotel guests. Yeah that stuff was great, and then the very end,
0: I love like the last love. I, I retrospectively enjoyed the last five or ten minutes when it starts to get more nightmare-like. And I did enjoy watching the game. That the the boss, as I aptly referred to him before, he reminded me uh, of the giant from Twin Peaks.
1: Oh, well, I was gonna say he definitely that actor is very. He, I thought
0: it was him for a little bit. Uh, but I, This is one of those movies that, like a lot of more classic movies, I appreciate more than I like. And the whole time I'm watching this, I'm like, I'm so glad David Lynch took this concept for a movie and made it watchable. Because <laughs> the whole time I'm thinking, the, t- the two things I'm thinking are Jacob loves this and David Lynch definitely loves this. I was definitely wrong in the first part, but there's no way in hell David Lynch doesn't love this movie. I can't
1: really recommend this to anyone. I
0: don't know who I would... Re- you would be the person I'd recommend it to. <laughs>
1: yeah, that... I would say that if you are interested in the, the aesthetics of cinema, this is certainly something to seek out eventually if you have nothing better to do with your time.
0: This is definitely a movie you could watch on silent and not get not miss too much,
1: but... Oh, God,
0: only two movies in and I'm already frustrated. This is going to be a great podcast.
1: The the question, then, is does this deserve to be on the BFI Top 100? I
0: don't know, because at the same time, this is crazy. This is, this is just insanity. But I can also see for 1961 just how out there this is. I mean, this is out there, I think, even by t- today's standards.
1: It, it remains alone in its achievement.
0: I really don't. I couldn't think of another movie that was even
1: close to this. Again, I'm sure I know, there are some, but they're probably very... They're not as well-known as this. Yeah.
0: I know, obviously, Lynch plays with that dreamlike structure all the time. Or the dreamlike nature, but not even to but this extent. in his own
1: Lynchian way. Yeah,
0: he has his own like, sub-genre of this type of tone. But I don't know. I personally know. I don't think it should be on the BFI top list. But it's one of those things that I... It's not a bad movie. Right. It's just a frustrating... And I can see for 61 how this would be revolutionary
1: well here's the the question and we can we can answer this over the course of the podcast because it's going to come up a lot is does a a movie what qualifies a movie to be on the greatest of all time list because we we talked about citizen kane and how it's often on lists because of its impact on the film industry yes and i think you you need to at the very least consider a film's uniqueness and its innovation in the the medium of cinema for yeah. this kind of thing. But my big question, and one that I, I still I go back and forth on the answer is does innovation, regardless of context, yeah demand you put the movie on the greatest of all time list here's what i think
0: deserves to be on these kind of lists it obviously has to have that innovative factor i think it needs to have a tangible effect on the movies that followed it and i also think it needs to stand on its own as a at least good movie movies like citizen kane citizen kane had probably the biggest impact of any movie and you know what impact aside it's still a great movie it's pretty good. Even without the context, it is still an amazing movie. Something like The Godfather, Taxi Driver, Vertigo, all those movies have that tangible effect on the movies that followed, but you can also watch them by themselves and think, okay, this is actually a pretty good movie. This, I can see the impact, but God is it insufferable.
1: Yeah, I would generally say that I think it I wouldn't say it deserves to be on here, but I can see the reasoning and cannot complain. It's not a movie I enjoy.
0: It's a movie that I can see other people liking.
1: Yeah. I can understand
0: the audience for this kind of movie.
1: I wait, when I'm considering these movies and whether or not they they should be on this list, I think I wait audience appeal higher than I do innovation. Because one of the things from the AFI list is they have Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs on there. Yeah. And the only the only argument I can see for that film being on a list is that it's the first major feature-length animated film. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's a load of horseshit because the movie isn't that good compared to a lot of the other animated films that have come out since then. And I don't think that critics when making this list these lists should weigh the innovation and doing something first above all else cuz you can do something first and it's not the end result isn't all that entertaining or it might be impactful for the industry but not impactful for a, a wider more contemporary audience ugh <laughs> This movie really... ugh yeah i I would put something else on here i uh, yeah I don't what think. I don't know, but
0: I will say even though i'm I'm frustrated and I don't really like it, I can say honestly that I'm glad i watched it
1: yes i i it's been on my list of something to watch for a very long time, as long as I'm glad I've
0: watched it, I can't say it's a bad movie, and I still don't think this is like a bad bad movie, it's just a frustrating a needlessly frustrating movie.
1: And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say no. It doesn't deserve to be on the list. Back to, uh, we mentioned my, my capstone short film project, Dreamcatchers. I was thinking about that while watching the movie. And as you know, I have been unable to complete the editing, the post-production process on that film for some time now. You don't have to tell my me. My lack of quality uh, editing equipment.
0: Well, my editor has died.
1: So it's fine. I get it. But as I was watching last year at Marionbad, I was it got the, the creative juices flowing and I, I thought of some ways to once I once I get the ability to start editing Dreamcatchers again, of ways to improve it in editing. Um. Of making it more making the, the style a bit more out there. Cause I think if if you want to have a narrative that doesn't have answers, you have to push the aesthetics far. You can't keep, like, normal. Like, if it, it's shot normally, and it's you, you're subliminally bro- broadcasting to the audience that this is a normal narrative, and that they are expecting closure and stuff like that. Yeah. But if it's shot, like, last year at Marion Bad, which, <laughs> you know, from shot one doesn't give you anything, you are expecting that that is going to continue. Maybe that's so, why...
0: Maybe that's why I tapped out
1: so early, because I knew Yeah, it, it this broadcasts it. its intentions. Yeah, it does. It's not misleading in any way. Mm-hmm. Dreamcatchers needs to be a bit more. Just need to push the editing a bit, a bit crazier. Well, that's well, that's good that you you got something out of this. Might add a voiceover or two.
0: <laughs> well, you could, create some
1: new lines of dialogue. Don't and
0: post. make it. Don't do it yourself. Make someone else do it.
1: No, I'm gonna record. I'm gonna dub over my main actors' lines because <laughs> don't know when I can record them.
0: It could be, it could be like Anomalisa, so where you you were just the voice of everybody except for the main character. Did you ever see that? Yeah, I saw it. Uh, that's good in theaters when it came out. Did you really? Mm-hmm. I didn't know it came into theaters. Wow, yeah. that's impressive.
1: That was, I want to say, freshman year,
0: 2015, After college. Yeah. Then yes.
1: Yeah, freshman year. That's interesting. Yeah. So that was last year at Marion Bad. I'd be interested to see if anyone listening actually watched the movie. Don't. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, if if you're along for the ride for watching all the BFI, I, you could. I'm on the podcast and I already regret it. Well, next week we have uh, Soy Cuba.
0: Oh, uh, hold on. Is this the one I think it is?
1: Well, it's our first uh, Russian film. Oh, it's Russian? Well, it's... The director is Russian, and it was funded by oh, the USSR. Oh, yes! Okay. It's made in Cuba. Yes. It's kind of a Cuba-Russia thing.
0: This has that crazy long take at the beginning.
1: Okay, I've been excited for this one. Directed by Mikhail Kalatozov? Kalatozov. I think, I'm looking at it right I, now. I, I don't know. No clue. I don't think I butchered that as much as I did... Uh, The French directors, so. I'm just,
0: I'm very excited because obviously if this is a Russian-made movie funded by the Cubans, this is either going to be the most communist movie (laughs) ever made or the most anti-communist movie ever made. We will see. Is it Spanish? It was, oh, it says right here in the Wikipedia page. It was not received well by either the Russian or Cuban public. It was almost completely forgotten until it was rediscovered. By the United States, thirty years later.
1: Awesome. <laughs>
0: okay, it's I'm gonna, gonna say I'm gonna say anti-communism, but we'll see.
1: Well, I've seen uh, I've seen the cranes are flying by the same director, uh-huh. and I quite like that. And okay, So I'm, well, that's I'm good. looking forward to uh, Cuban communist propaganda because it is propaganda. Yeah. I'm curious to see what the the end result is going to be, but I'm excited to see it. I yeah, this has been on my watch list for a while. So, Soy Cuba is a bit more difficult to find. It is on well, how did Amazon... You...
0: It's on... What? Oh, I was going to say, how did you find Last Year at Marion What
1: did you use? Oh, I watched it on Vimeo. Uh, is it free? Yeah, I, I mentioned this at the last podcast. I forgot. Okay, well... I paid $3 to
0: know, to rent fine. it on YouTube.
1: You probably got better quality than I did, but... It was not bad. Yeah. So is that this is on Amazon Prime? Amazon... Well, it's not on regular amazon prime it's on fandor oh okay. so if you have a fandor subscription on top of your amazon prime you can watch it or you can get a free trial or you could just go to fandor itself i believe you can uh, subscribe to or it is there's a website called soviet movies online
0: well i'd rather watch this in the best way i can so we'll see but i wonder if it's on canopy
1: I did not see it on Canopy. Uh,
0: I just got Canopy. Oh, you did? Are you enjoying it? Oh, well, it's... Part of me that wants to, like, drop the Criterion channel for Canopy, because it has a lot of uh, Criterion movies. has about a good...
1: But it is limited.
0: It is limited, yes. And I also just got my Criterion badge, so I'm not gonna betray them.
1: Did you get yours yet? Brand loyalty. Well... See, my badge was originally going to be sent to my Phoenix address, oh. and I moved and I changed my address, so I don't know if they sent it or if they delayed it, so whatever. Well, I'm sure if you give them a call. I know in my even... heart that I am a founding subscriber to the channel.
0: Well, I'm just saying, I know I'm in, it's in my heart too, but it's also nice to see it
1: engraved. Yeah, that, that would be nice. It's nice. It's very nice. I love it.
0: I show it to everybody. I showed it to the cashier at Circle K this morning. Did you really? Oh, he gave me $100. It was amazing.
1: They even clapped. It was weird. But it was, okay. it was fine. Did they uh, They even know what the Criterion Collection is?
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're big fans.
1: The most well-read <laughs> gas station clerk I've heard you of. You will
0: not see a more film-literate gas station establishment than Circle K in Phoenix, Arizona. Let me tell you that.
1: Maybe I should Maybe I should be patronizing this gas station Big c- drive up to...
0: <laughs> big cinephiles over there. Well,
1: that's great. You'll love to see it. you love to see it. i think that that was a good ending
0: i i was thinking too that silence i thought that'd be a good place to end